I'm talking Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Hold on, Ed is saying, Ed, are you there? Ed? Yes. Can you hear us, Ed? This is the Press Box. <laughs> to answer your question, Jared, before we go to break, and hopefully Ed chimes in a little <laughs> With Grady and Bischoff. We'll take a break, and when we come back, maybe Ed Grady will be able to hear Are you guys there? On ESPN Las Vegas. I think we're going to do that again today. Ed, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Am I, am I being able to be heard? Yes, we can hear you, Ed. I'm under the assumption uh-huh. you can hear us. This could I actually am. work. This did actually work. Um, we're apart today, but uh, we'll try to make the show work. It, it'll probably be our best show, actually. We're not looking at each other. <laughs> well, we don't look at each other normally. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> the amount of times one of us is waving our hand in the air when we're two feet apart trying to get the other's attention, it's quite yes. a lot. So, yeah. all right. Well, I look forward to Ed dropping out every 43 minutes during the show today. It'll yes. be fun. 43, try four. The first bite. What are the Raiders? Well, they're six and wow. six. <laughs> uh, that is the obvious answer. Um, I don't think, and I'd like your thoughts, I don't think they're a playoff team. Um, because I just think when you're as inconsistent as they are, and here's the thing about that. It was funny that, you know, we were asking the players afterwards, Tyler, after the game yesterday. And the funny part is, and the ironic part is, win or lose, they always have the same problems. Like sometimes you're able to overcome the bad offense and, you know, the, the, the no running game and the bad offensive line and lack of top wide receivers and win games as we saw against Dallas. And yesterday they can't overcome it. So, I want your. Th- I mean, I just think they're they're really bad offensively most weeks, but sometimes they can somehow play defense and win, and other times they can't. Yeah, it it comes down to I think two areas. First off, the head coaching spot. The Raiders might have the worst head coach in football in Rich Bisaccia. His fourth down decision making is horrific. It's it's might be the worst in the league, and he hasn't even been the coach the entire year. His decision to kick a field goal in the third quarter yesterday was uh, the worst fourth down decision of any coach in the league on Sunday. It cost the Raiders 5.6% in win probability by kicking a 38 yard field goal on fourth and three down four in the third quarter. And he does that every single week. So almost every time the Raiders take the field, they're at a disadvantage with the head coaching spot. But the other area is the quarterback spot. And we've talked about this with Derek Carr. He's had some really good games this year. He's looked awesome in about six games this year. And he's looked dreadful in six games this year. And so what's happened for the Raiders is they're getting beat at the head coaching spot every time they're on the field, right? And Derek Carr, half the time, they're getting beat at the quarterback spot. And so when you get beat at the head coach and the quarterback spot, you've got almost no chance to win. They almost pulled it out yesterday, but you've got almost no chance to win regardless of anything else that happens, regardless of whether the defense is good or not, regardless of whether you have a run game or not. If you're getting beat at head coach and quarterback, you've got such a small chance to win a game. And I think that's what we're seeing every week. They're beat at the head coach spot and about half the time they're beat at the quarterback spot. And when they both happen, they're losing games. 
the thing that really bugs me about Basaccia uh, is after each game now, especially after each loss, he talks about this process. And I think he means like the preparation and the weekly preparation, what they do uh, Wednesday through Friday. You know, they're, they're off on Tuesdays. They come back on Wednesdays through Friday. And yet several times he has said, listen, if all you're worried about is the scoreboard, you're not worried about anything. It's like, yes, yes. <laughs> We were worried about the scoreboard. I, and, and I give I give Hunter Renfro um, credit yesterday. He goes, look, winning and losing, man, that's all that matters. We lost the game. So when Basachi continues to say, you know, if all you're doing is look at the scoreboard, that's what everyone does. It's the NFL. It's not like Pop Warner, where I drive by every, you know, Saturday and see kids out in Pop Warner. And you're like, hey, play your hardest. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, soccer, orange slices at halftime. It really bugs me. If you want to say the process is secondary, like, okay, the preparation's important, the film study's important, that's fine if it's secondary. But no, the only thing matters is what's on the scoreboard at the end of the game. And it bugs me week to week that he insinuates that's not always the most important thing. Yeah, like, I, the, the whole idea of process over results, like, I don't mind anybody saying that in the world of sports if they've demonstrated that they have a good process. And I don't think that the Raiders have it all demonstrated <laughs> that they have a good process. Like if you're, if you're going to, maybe if we knew what the process was, <laughs> right? Like if you're going to point to things and be like, listen, process over results, you know, it didn't work for us today, but this is why it's going to work again in the future. Like what, what is the good part of the process? Like that I think is the bigger issue here is they're probably not getting the results on the scoreboard. They want, I bet there's some problems with the process. Like, I bet that's yeah. where some of the issue is. And it, whatever the process is, like, it's not all Rich Passaccia's fault that the roster's not as good as it should be, right? That Gruden and Mayock did a horrible job in the draft. Like, when Malcolm Koontz has more sacks in his first game than Cleland Furl has all year, right? That's not on Rich Passaccia. That's a poor process that's been years in the making. But I still think even the process we've seen from Rich Passaccia, like what is his process to help the Raiders win games? I don't think there is one. I think he's just sort of in autopilot of this is what I think a head coach should be doing. And it's, he's not finding any sort of advantage for the Raiders. And maybe it's not fair to put that on him because he's an interim head coach. who's never been it before and was in charge of Daniel Carlson, and AJ Cole before the John Gruden emails, but he's not any, not, none of his process is putting the Raiders in a better position to win. And so if you're going to cite the process, what's good about your process? I don't know that there is anything. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. I'll go a little deeper than Rich Versace because I don't think Greg Olson's doing a good job calling no. plays, especially on third down uh, at all. Uh, these these east to west swing passes on third and, and, <laughs> and you know significant yardage are getting really old. And like you have in the rundown, and this is a good point too, their offensive line hasn't been good, and Tom Cable is supposed to be a good offensive line coach. So, I, look, I, I think at the end of the year, this is an easy fix. You blow this thing up, and you've got to go hire a head coach and allow him to put together his own staff. But until then, if they keep coaching like this, then they really have no chance to make the playoffs. And I'm not sure you can tell me what the percentages dropped to. I think you had it last week now that they're 6-6. Six and six. It's not good going to Kansas City to have any kind of postseason hope at this point. But I, I don't think it's just Bisaccia. I think when he took the job, he said the coordinators are going to kind of run their, you know, their sides of the ball. I'll have interjection. He never really took the stance that, you know, 
I'm the head coach. And once he and in the moments he does take that stance, like you said, he's making the wrong decisions on when to go for it and when not to. So, look, this is what they have till the end of the year. We either neither of us think it's very good. And at the end of the year, I don't think there's any any question you blow the whole thing up and, and you get a new coach. And, and, you know, I mean, for the sake of it, you probably get a new GM. I mean, Greg Olson isn't doing very good calling plays, but Greg Olson is doing a really good job calling games. <laughs> Ed was at the game, so he's not going to get that oh, joke, Oh, okay. Sorry, there was a very, there was very confusing to have Greg Olson calling a game and referencing Greg Olson. So, Ed, you did you missed out on the TV broadcast where I missed out on that. So, <laughs> thank goodness. On the coaching side, Raiders started three and zero. The offense was really good. Since then, they've played nine games, and in six of those nine, they've been held to under 17 points. Like, that's horrible. That's genuinely horrible. I think Josh Dubow put out only the Lions, I think, have been held to under 17 points more than the Raiders have this year. And if you go through, like, hey, where's the blame belong? Like, is it Derek Carr's fault, right? He's not throwing down the field in some games. Some games he is. He still probably leads the league or is second in the league and deep throws down the field. But yesterday... It wasn't until the fourth quarter when they were losing that he even looked down the field, right? He's missing Deshaun Jackson on crossing routes early in the game. Like he's just, there's games where he just doesn't throw down the field. Carr deserves a lot of blame for that. But I think if you're looking coaching staff wise, the problems, like you said earlier, it's the same thing every week. The offensive line is bad. Well, why haven't they figured out a way to fix that or hide that, right? Like, why is that still such a big issue Every single week, there's no running game. Like Josh Jacobs had 52 rushing yards yesterday on 13 carries. That feels like one of his best rushing games of the season. Yeah. Why haven't yeah. they figured out a way to fix that or at least make those less noticeable? That is something that's wrong with the coaching staff. That's something that Rich Passacci in the head coaching spot hasn't figured out. Greg Olson on the offensive coordinator side. Golden Valley Water District residents' water boil has been lifted. All clear has been given. As to why this offense is so dreadful half of the games this year. Well, and and, and let's just take the one, one deep chance he had against, or at least it looked like to Deshaun Jackson, his reasoning afterwards was very strange when he said he he didn't want to throw blind, quote-unquote. He didn't know where the linebacker is. Let me tell you something. If if he actually thought a linebacker was on Deshaun Jackson, he should throw it up um, <laughs> because that's a pretty good matchup for Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, you know, and, and you get things like Passaccia. I see you have down here. We were talking about it yesterday afterwards with Derek Carr, the timeout that wasn't taken. They're letting the clock run oh down. Oh, my Maybe you're, God. What maybe was that? one or two I, I have no idea what that was. And they're trying to you know, they're trying to take blame for each other and Carr said I was trying to call it Versace didn't have a good reasoning. I mean that's one or two you have a great kicker. And that's one or two completions, maybe just one, to at least giving him a chance. I mean he's he's mid fifties guy. He I, he's a really yes. good kicker. And and they still let the clock run down to where they have no chance at that set at that at that uh, time when they let five seconds run off and then he then he just had to chuck it in the end. So, again, when you see things like that with the clock management, and this is not the first time Basachi has messed up the clock management. So I just think, and again, I say that, and even the 
head coach and the clock management, he's never done it before. I don't want to I don't want to let him off the hook, but there are certain things where you've never been a head coach where you're just not going to be good at going in. You have no feel for it, you have no instinct for it, and they're suffering for it. And because they're suffering for it, they're six and six going to Kansas City, getting 10, 10 and a half. I think that they would after yesterday. I think that line's gonna move. And the money's even going to go more towards the Chiefs. So then you're six and seven going to Cleveland. I just think yesterday was such an enormous. You and I talked about it last week. It was such an enormous game to kind of keep kind of those playoff thoughts alive. Um, I think that's a horrible loss history. It's a bad, bad loss. Now watch them go win at Kansas City and take a lap in a bus. It was but, a- uh, that. That team yesterday is not doing that. It was a six and five team at home against Washington. Yes, Washington yeah. has won some games recently and they're not just dreadful, but it was a six and five Raiders team at home against another fringe playoff team from the NFC. That's a game. If you're if you're going to be a playoff team, that's a type of game you need to yes. win. That's the type of opponent that you need to beat at home to put yourself in the playoffs. Now, let me back up just a second. Hunter Renfro catches a pass inbounds. Gets tackled yes. with fifth. The, the whistle blows, or the whistle doesn't blow. The ref comes in signaling it down with 15 seconds left. And the Raiders didn't call a timeout till there were 10 seconds on the mm-hmm. clock. They just threw away five seconds. The next play, the Raiders got to their own 43-yard line with two seconds left. Imagine if they had had seven seconds left. You conceivably yeah. Yeah. can throw a 10, 15-yard pass and if you get out of bounds, you've got a 55, 60-yard field yeah. goal attempt to win the game. Like, again, you got to complete another pass, but they were one play away, one 10, 15-yard play away from being in field goal range for Daniel Carlson yeah. to win the game, and they just threw away five seconds because Rich Basaccia didn't know to call a timeout there. Like, he has been dreadful in terms of finding them any little advantage, and it's like... You look around and figure out for a team that's six and six, and if you're, hey, we're a couple of seconds away from maybe being seven and five and being tied for the last playoff spot, like they're losing that slight on the margins. They're losing at the head coaching position because Rich Pisaccia has yeah. not been good enough. Coming up they next, they played in Thanksgiving. You want you want to make that point? Well, I'm just going to point point out they played on Thanksgiving. They played a team on a short week. We've had to travel across country. It's a horrible loss. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up next, the college football playoff is set. You guys gave us a lot of really positive rat poison. The rat poison that you usually give us is usually fatal. But the rat poison that you put out there this week was yummy. (laughs) We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. The college football playoff is set. Alabama jumps up to number one after beating Georgia. They will take on Cincinnati and Michigan is number two, taking on Georgia after Georgia fell down to three. Those are your two semifinals. Ed, should Michigan be number one over Alabama? I'm going to say no on that because I think they're both conference champions, and I thought Alabama had the best win between them when they beat Georgia. So I had I didn't have a problem with Alabama. We had this debate yesterday uh, at the Raider game, more so on Georgia and Cincinnati. Now I did not know this because uh, Josh DeBoe reminded me about this that I always thought because they said, "Hey, conference champions mean more." 
we're going to put heavier weight on them. So my point was, okay, then why isn't Georgia four? Cincinnati won his conference championship. But Josh reminded me by the letter of the law, if you read what they say, it's if the teams are equal. Yeah. Um, and they're not. I mean, Georgia's, you know, essentially, I think we all believe Georgia's a better team. Uh, so the conference champion would only get the edge there if they believed in the room they were a better team than the other one. So while I went in kind of screaming at the matchups, Josh kind of calmed me down. Because I thought for sure they didn't want to re they didn't want to rematch Alabama and Georgia. They want they look they want that as the final. There's no question about that for the TV do they? ratings. Do they? Well, I I I mean I think they do. I mean I think you I mean, want are Michigan. Are you going with Alabama. the fact that if Cincinnati if Cincinnati won, it'd be like the Cinderella and they'd want them? No, I think you want Michigan Alabama or Michigan Georgia. Here here's the problem I mean, with okay I, college football is a regional sport. You care about your sure. team and your conference to some extent. Sure, you care a little bit about the rest of the co- uh, of the college football world, but for the most part, people are watching the team that's close to them. If Alabama and Georgia play for the national title, there's only one region of this country that really cares about this game. Mm-hmm. If Alabama plays Michigan for the title, well, now you've got at least two yeah. regions of the country that care about. I, I think you want. Alabama, Michigan. And I actually think the committee, if they were trying to avoid an Alabama, Georgia rematch should have made Alabama, Georgia play in the first round, as opposed to potentially having it as a final. I mean, I have not seen, and I think they'll come out today and it was championship Saturday. So maybe this is kind of skewed a little, I've not seen the ratings for the first Alabama, Georgia game. Um, I don't know if you have, so I can't tell you what part of the country watched that. I mean, if it was Alabama, Georgia in the final, you and I are going to be watching it more, you know, because of our jobs and we love college football. Uh, maybe there's a point there. I, I just, it was funny because once Alabama won, all I heard, all I heard from everybody and mostly Michigan fans is they'll never, they'll never put them in the semis together. They'll never put them back together. They want them in the final. Now, maybe your point is correct. I, I, I don't know. I'd have to look at ratings and see what happened, you know, over the weekend between that game and other games. Um, I just I went in screaming that Cincinnati should be third, but once I read the rule, then I kind of understood why they put Cincinnati fourth. Because look, again, I don't think any of us, the three of us, or anyone else, can look at anyone and say Cincinnati's a better team than Georgia right now. No, I don't. I don't think you can say that either. Um, so when where am I at here? When LSU and Alabama played a rematch in the national championship, yeah, quite a few years ago. It, it was the lowest watched uh, national championship in like okay. the, the history of the playoff or the well, whatever. I mean, that's that that certainly supports your point about regions. Um, I remember watching it. But again, we're we got to take ourselves out of the equation. And, you know, will the curious or somewhat curious college football fan watch it? Um, I, I know people who wouldn't um, that wouldn't watch it if one of their team specific teams were in it. Even uh, look. I know people who won't watch it unless their team's in it, never mind just the region. You know, I mean, that they want their team in the game. Uh, I mean, we'll watch both games. I, I, I didn't, I didn't um, think of your point. You probably have a really good point there with Michigan. Um, but again, I think, I think we're probably getting a rematch. Um, and I, I'll watch it. I don't know if I'll be fired up. I, I, if I'm with you, I'd rather have Michigan. Like I'm a, I, I've never rooted for Michigan in my life in anything. And I'm a huge Michigan fan right now. Like I, I, I would, I would really give anything for them to beat Georgia. But 
I'm not so sure they can do that. I should note also, when Alabama beat Georgia in the national title game, it's one of the most ever watched national championship games. But the the important difference there is Alabama-Georgia did not play that season. That was not a rematch of a previous game. Okay. So, you you know, Alabama got in without playing for the SEC championship and beat Georgia anyways in the national championship. I just think the idea of a rematch of a game we just saw, you know, it'll have at at that point have been a month, but a game we just saw a month ago, I think that kills it a little bit more, especially when Michigan's out there, right? It's not like we're talking about a program that nobody cares about that could be in there. Right. It's, it's, huge pro- it's, it's Michigan. Well, I mean, it's the final game before Jim Harbaugh becomes the Raiders coach. So, I mean, this is a big, this is a big <laughs> I game. I thought they me. were getting Dabo. What do you mean, Harbaugh? Nah, da- I think Dabo was just a smokescreen. He just came to see Hunter catch a lot of passes. <laughs> His older brother, <laughs> Hunter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. I, it was funny. It was funny real quick because it was like, is Dabo, Dabo here to interview? Dabo here to do this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm not so sure he'd be on the field talking to Mark Davis if there was anything <laughs> serious right now about him taking the job. I don't think he'd be as public as he was yesterday. Did you guys put him on the front page of the RJ yet? In a Raiders uniform? <laughs> no, he had a Raiders shirt on, but he was he did have a we did have a picture to run with my column on Dabo, him talking to Davis and him wearing the Raiders shirt, but he did not make the front page. You don't even have to Photoshop it. He's already in the Raiders shirt. You guys are good to go. He's already there. Great. Yeah, he's there. All right. You're going to have to remind me on Wednesday when we have Jason Fitz on the show to yell at him about this because he has been preaching to us that, hey, if you expand the playoff, the conversation's not as much fun. When we start talking about teams eight versus nine or 12 versus 13, it's not as much fun. The selection show yesterday, the most boring selection yeah. show in the history of yeah. college sports. Like, we, knew, we knew the teams yeah. the night before. And they started it by saying, you know which four teams are in. Now it's time to find <laughs> out what order they are. Remind me to yell at Jason Fitz about that okay. because that, that was as boring as it got. Sure, if Oklahoma yeah. State wins on Saturday, we've got somewhat of a debate and who's four and who's five would have actually been a conversation to have. But Jason Fitz is wrong, and I need to yell at him on Wednesday about being wrong because expanding the playoff is better in pretty much every single possible way. Um, quickly, Ed, how you feeling about Baylor? How's the flag? Well, it's my son against you. You'll have to make some kind of bet. Oh, the Sugar Bowl. That's right. Kind of That's right. Uh, in the uh, Sugar Bowl. Flag is solid. We kept it up actually for Sunday, one, one extra day, because our neighbor also flies a flag, and he flies the flag of the Oklahoma Sooners. So <laughs> when he didn't have a game yesterday and Baylor was there, is <laughs> flipping in the wind. I said, you know what? Let's let's keep this baby up for one more day. We'll keep it up for Sunday. Finally, took it down last night. What Big Twelve neighborhood are you living in? <laughs> I don't know. This guy's got Oklahoma stuff everywhere in the garage. He's got the flag. He's got the posters. Everything Oklahoma. We've just got the little flag, Tyler. But we can, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, little. Uh, you, you Didn't this thing almost tear your house down? <laughs> That's a large flag. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, it is a large flag, but uh, yeah, it was it was uh, in the wind. You should have seen the reaction, by the way, before the fourth fourth uh, down stop. Oh, talk about a kid thinking it's the Dodgers blowing one in the ninth <laughs> and then going to euphoria. Oh, what a disaster! I was say, is he taking after you? Is he throwing things at oh, the wall? He, on that fourth down play, throwing things until they stopped him, and then like completely, almost crying with joy. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Sam Gordon joins the show. Heineke, play action, Gibson. Throws toward the end zone, wide open, and Logan Thomas! Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! Snap to Heineke. Raiders break three, throws toward Gibson! Touchdown! 
Touchdown, Washington! Snap, hold, kick. It is up and jackpot! It's good! Washington takes the lead! Steps up. He's got to launch it. He does. He's got the arm to get it to the end zone. Three Raiders receivers there. It pops up in the air and falls incomplete! Washington has won their fourth in a row! They get out of Vegas with a 17-15 win! You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Sam Gordon. All right, Sam, I'm, I'm going to ask you just like a very open-ended question. You can go wherever you want with this. What okay. are the Las Vegas Raiders? So, geez, what are the Las Vegas Raiders? <laughs> oh, man. Um, that's a good question. I think at this point in the year, Tyler, we don't really know. And that's a problem because you're 6-6 six and six now. Uh, it's going to be December. You started out five and two. They they tricked off uh, 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 once again another prime opportunity to make the playoffs. It's the third consecutive year. It's a franchise I think right now without a sense of direction, uh, without a a real plan uh, in terms of how it's going to move forward. Uh, and, and a lot of that, you know, obviously the circumstances of the last couple months have, have dictated that. But it's it's here we go again. It's the same old thing. Uh, you, you can't predict this team week to week uh, against Dallas. The offense looks spectacular. You're over 500 yards. You're going down the field against a, a great defense on the road, uh, and, and you win a crucial game, and then you're at home against a, a Washington team without anywhere close to that amount of talent that Dallas has. And the, the, the passing game is all horizontal. There's nothing down the field. It's another, another lackluster offensive performance. You score 15 points in a must-win game. So uh, I think to, to answer your question, like I said, it's a franchise without, without a direction without a plan and a franchise that once again um, is is wildly inconsistent uh, week to week. And you're not going to make the playoffs that way. Again, the Raiders had a prime opportunity. You start out 3-0, and you start out 5-2. and Even with all the, the, the issues off the field that they've had, um, they've had their fair share of opportunities, games that they should have won. Uh, I think last night counts uh, as a game that they should have won, and, and, and they don't get it done. And now you're 6-6 six and six going to Kansas City uh, playing the hottest team in the AFC. So, uh, another kind of disastrous collapse um, for, for Mark Davis's team, and, and uh, you're gonna, he's going to be left picking up the pieces. I think after after the off season or after the season concludes, once the off season starts, uh, potentially looking at a, another rebuild with a new um, with a new staff. What's the process? Because we talked about this before you came on, and Rich Bisaccia, you and I are in that that press conference room every week, and it's like, well. If you're only going to look at the scoreboard, which we both said, yes, Rich, because that's the only thing that matters. And he says, well, it's the process. And as Tyler pointed out, maybe the process stinks because I don't know what the process is when he talks about that all the time. And then yet says, don't only look at the scoreboard. Yeah, I'm not really sure what, he, what he's talking about either when it comes to the process. It was very clear. Um, and I think Mike Mayock said at the beginning of the season, like this is a team with playoff expectations. Like this isn't. There's been a lot of money poured into this team with free agency, a lot of um, draft capital used to bring in players that were supposed to help get this thing pushing forward. Like the process is for teams like Houston, right? Teams that are in total, <laughs> teams like Jacksonville. Not a team like the Raiders that was very clear where you had the GM before the season declare publicly that there are playoff expectations. I'm not, what, what, to your point, what is the process? Is the process to score 15 points uh, in four of the last? Five games or whatever it is, fifteen points or fewer—is that the process? I don't—I don't think so. I, this is just 
it's not what it's about at this time of the year. Like you said, the scoreboard is the only thing that matters, especially when you're in a, in a, in a playoff race, uh, when you were at one point in control of the division, uh, a division that features Patrick Mahomes in it. That's just, that doesn't work at this point in the season. It's December. Uh, this, is, this is time to make the playoffs, or it's time to compete for a playoff berth. And the Raiders are squandering an opportunity to do that. Obviously not all is lost at this point, but I have a hard time seeing with the, with the way the schedule is shaking out, this team winning uh, four of its next five or doing what it has to do to, to get to ten wins. I think ten wins is probably going to be the number, at least nine. And even then, winning three of the next five, that's, that's, no tall, that's a tall task. That's no, that's no cakewalk with three divisional games left and then the Browns and the Colts that are right there in the playoff contention as well. So I'm not sure what the process is. I don't know what the plan is. It, 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 the plan hasn't, whatever it, it is, it hasn't been one that's, I think, real apparent to the public. Uh, the offense has, has completely fallen apart after, um, you know, say for that Dallas game, but after a strong start, you know, again, 15 or fewer uh, in four of the last five games. And I don't, I don't know what kind of process that is, but it's not working at, at this point in the season. It's clearly not working, and, and now you're 6-6 you're six and six after 5-3 start. That, that doesn't work. So they're going to Kansas City and winning by two touchdowns. <laughs> if, if, if you told me that, if that were to happen, Tyler, I would not. At this point <laughs> in the year, I, nothing would surprise me. I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. I didn't think they are going to win in Dallas, and I didn't think they were going to score 15 points yesterday in a must-win game against Washington. So it's so unpredictable. It's so week-to-week with this team. Who had a worse week? The Raiders or UNLV basketball? Oh, jeez. Um, that's a great question. I, I think it's it's really close. You could go either way, um, but I would I would say the Raiders by a hair because at least for UNLV, uh, at, at least you can chalk it up to okay, it's non-conference. You can you can look at the, the conference schedule and, and try and um, handle business that way, or try and salvage the season that way and make the tournament that way. As far as the Raiders are concerned. They're, they're, they're completely running out of time, whereas with UNLV, as bad as they look, and they looked really bad the last couple games, there's no doubt about that. They, there's still a lot more to play for in the Mountain West. The Raiders are running out of time. There's, just not, there's not enough time left in their season to salvage what they, what they could have had, and, and that's not the case for UNLV, at least right now. But we're getting there. We're certainly getting there. Are you concerned, uh, given um, reports out of that San Francisco game of 45 minutes after the game, they're still talking uh, players heard yelling in the locker room, others pounding their fists in the walls. I mean, when that happens this early in a season, are you concerned things are already maybe slipping away, or do you think that's a one-off and they lost to San Francisco in, in that kind of fashion and kids were just frustrated? Yeah, I think it's I think it's just frustrating frustration at this point. Um, a little concerning, right? You don't ever want that kind of response after a game. But, I think, again, you know, putting this in context, this is a veteran group with a lot of players on this team that, albeit they didn't necessarily play major roles, they came from winning programs that made the NCAA tournament. You got guys from Texas, guys from West Virginia, a guy from Oklahoma um, on this roster. Those are those are perennial NCAA tournament teams with winning cultures and winning traditions. And you come to UNLV, and it's taken a while. It's taken a while to figure this thing out. And I think it's starting to, you know, maybe maybe there are questions internally. I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't there. But maybe they're starting to, with when you lose, you know, four straight games or five, whatever the number is against Power Five competition. Um, it, it, there's going to be or, or D one competition rather, not even Power Five competition, Division one competition. There's going to be some frustration. There's going to be some anger, especially when the offense continues to to be stuck in the mud, um, game in and game out. I think that's where we're at at this point. There's a big enough sample size where this is an offensively uh, challenged basketball team, and and at least in the early goings for UNLV. You can depend on the defense to keep the game close, and then maybe Bryce Hamilton 
can take over down the stretch. So, ah, the defense is falling apart too now. This is two games in a row where a team with a with a good lead guard or, or multiple good lead guards is, is carving this thing apart, uh, beat, beating ball handlers off or beating uh, perimeter defenders off the dribble, getting into the paint and, and creating great shots. Uh, the, the, uh, the last two teams, USF. And SMU are playing, I think, the style of offense that Kevin Kruger wants to play, where there's a lot of drive and kick and pass and cut. The ball's moving, but they just don't they don't have enough, I think, for creators on the perimeter or guys that can get into the paint on a consistent basis and make plays. At least we haven't seen that. So uh, it, it's frustration. I think it's natural at this point with a mature, um, older group. Uh, there's still time, I think, to right the ship and find a little bit of a groove before the Mount West season starts. But you're running out of time. I think these, these last few games are prime opportunities against quality, quality competition make some kind of statement and non-conference and bolster your resume a little bit if you're trying to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, but to Tyler's point with, with how this week went, those, you're, losing, you're losing time there, and it's going to be all about DeMont West, and even that might be a slog at this point in the season. Well, he is Sam Gordon from the Review Journal. Sam, I uh, hope you get to cover a team that wins a game sometime soon. <laughs> I, I do too, Tyler. I appreciate <laughs> it. Wow. We'll see what happens this next week here with the Rebels at home in these next, these next couple home games. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sam. All right, we've got coming up later in the show, tickets to a Golden Knights game, also $50 to Smokin' Pig Barbecue. And if you're looking for a place to watch the Monday night game, head out to Twin Peaks for Cofield and company. They'll be out there at 2 o'clock, a live broadcast of their show, all the way up until kickoff. They'll also be handing out prizes. Uh, and Twin Peaks, great place to watch the game. 84 TVs, they're out of Twin Peaks on Eastern. So go hang out with Cofield and company starting at 2 o'clock today at Twin Peaks, taking you up to the Monday night game. Coming up next, the Detroit Lions won a football game. It's the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Biggest celebrations of the year in the NFL. Number one, team that wins the Super Bowl. Number two, Lions win their first game. Ah, oh, absolutely. What, what, what a call there on the uh, on the win. Boy, that poor guy, he hasn't, he hasn't been able to do that forever. <laughs> Can you imagine having that poor guy's job? We're, My goodness. We're upset about, oh, the Raiders are throwing it away again. At least the Raiders are, you know, remotely interesting. They give you some yeah. hope that they might be good. The Lions are just, oh. nah. No, thanks. Let's lose every game in the most heartbreaking way possible. But they did beat the Vikings. You heard that a walk-off touchdown, which, by the way, the refs screwed up in that game. Uh, Lions score to take a two-point lead as time expires. They should have had to run out for an extra point, right? Surely they would have just taken a knee, but because it was a two-point game, conceivably the Vikings could have blocked a kick or picked up a fumble and run it back to tie the game. And the yes. refs didn't, the refs screwed up, should have made them kick or at least take a snap and take a knee. Well, this is like Dave Aranda against Oklahoma. When he kicked the field goal, he said, Hey, this is for tiebreaker purposes. Right. I mean, if the lions get on a roll here, it's going to be for tiebreaker purposes tie for a playoff purposes. spot. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you never know what the tiebreaker is going to bring. You got to kick that extra point. Oh, always got to kick it. All right. Now, a game that I do want to talk quite a lot about here. The Ravens lost to the Steelers 20-19. to The oh. Ravens scored a touchdown with 12 seconds left to get within one point and then went for two to win the game. Uh, Lamar Jackson had a wide-open Mark Andrews, would have been a walk-in two-point conversion to win the game. He missed him. Uh, and the Ravens ended up losing to the Steelers 20-19. to 
Uh, Ed, you've you've been doing a show with me long enough that you know my opinion on the Ravens going for two there. Uh, they should have done it. Um, what do you think of going for two in that situation? Uh, no, uh, you have brought me over to the dark oh, side. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, in fact, you put me over to the dark side so much that uh, Adam Hill and I in the press box were yelling at Basaccia for not going for it instead kicking field goals. <laughs> so I am fully into the dark side now, and I just go for it no matter what. I have to do sidebar real quick. You're gonna, you're not gonna like this real quick. Going back to the other game, Kirk Cousins, according oh. to Pro Football Talk, is two twenty-five and one. Yeah, when trailing entering the fourth quarter, it's pretty good, right? I just thought I'd throw that. He's in. got two comeback wins in the fourth quarter. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, <laughs> as Pro Football Talk said, is that bad? Yeah, a little oh, bit. I mean, compared bit. to Derek uh, back, Carr. Back, back to the Ravens. My bad. I just had to put that. No, I <laughs> I like them going for two. Um, dark side guy now. Uh, he was open. We were watching it in the box. He was open. Uh, so you got to hit him, but I don't mind going for it. Good, good for Johnny Harbaugh, man. Good for Johnny Harbaugh. The the actual like funny part of it is that after the game, Harbaugh, when asked about it, he didn't like cite any sort of analytic win probability. Hey, it ha- gave us a better chance to win. He was like, yeah, we don't have any cornerbacks left. Like they lost Marlon <laughs> Humphrey. He's he. Uh, I think the report was he's done for the year. But Harbaugh was like, we don't have any cornerbacks left. We. We did not want to play another 10-minute quarter and potentially have to stop the Steelers. Like, it, in the game there, you need two yards in the game right there with a two-point conversion attempt. So, I like, it's it's somewhat funny that a team that does rely heavily on analytics, it wasn't even like, ah, well, our win probability was 5% higher by going for it there. No, it was just, yeah, we don't have any corners yeah. left. And even though Ben Roethlisberger can't throw it, it's probably not good if we're running linebackers out there to cover wide receivers down the field. But here's... Like the, the fascinating part, and again, we've done this week after week with the AFC. The Steelers just lost 41 to 10 to Cincinnati, right? Baltimore was eight and three. They were in sort of that upper echelon of the AFC. And then the Steelers beat the Ravens. And now the Steelers are like a half game out of a playoff spot. Baltimore's still in first in the AFC North, but it's only a game ahead of Cincinnati. Baltimore really hasn't looked great the majority of the season. They've had a lot of close, questionable wins. Like, it, I don't know if either of these two teams are good. They might both suck. <laughs> well, I thought your question was, who's the best team in the AFC? All right, who is the best team in the AFC? Are you going back to the Bengals even though they lost? Yeah, it no. might be the Chargers. No. <laughs> they just nope. beat the best the team Kansas- in the The Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs. All right, are you changing yeah. that next hour? Well, I, I could, yeah, depending on what happens in the next hour and what games you talk about. We'll ask him tomorrow. Well, yeah, I was going to say the best team in the AFC is whoever wins tonight's game. Yes. I, I was actually <laughs> – I'm so lost this morning, I forgot that was the Monday night game because I was about to say the Patriots. Wow. But you could they're probably going to lose 38-6 to six tonight, and then I'm going to have to go with the Bills they tomorrow. They better not. Jared's going to be very upset if that happens. I mean, it's listen, it's entirely possible because when the Ravens lost yesterday – the uh, Patriots moved into the number one seed in the AFC right now. And as we have seen over and over in the AFC, just when you think a team is good, they lose in some hilarious fashion. Now, Buffalo's actually a decent team. So losing to Buffalo wouldn't be that bad. But losing by like 30 to Buffalo would be bad. So I guess that's my expectation. And then we'll start crowning Josh Allen and the Bills. And then they'll hilariously lose to whoever the hell they play next week. 
Have has Buffalo been our best team yet, or do they get a chance? They were like like five weeks into the season. They were okay. Like okay. they were right. they were the early. Hey, this is the best team in the AFC, and then okay. they lost a lot. The Patriots kind of I mean, took over the division, and now they're not. I, I want to give everyone a chance here. I want to give everyone a chance to be our best team in the AFC. So <laughs> um, I can't pick them, but uh, I'm not. I'll tell you what. I'm not going to get down to the Raiders at any point. Well, they're tied for 11, so we got a few more yes. shows we got to get through before we can start <laughs> picking the 11th best team. You can pick the Steelers. The Steelers are somehow ahead of the Raiders now. You can say it right now. Pittsburgh Steelers, best team in the AFC.